HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. All right, this is the Whitetail Experience Podcast. I am your host, Byron Horton, and we are going out. I think this is the first one that's going to be on the Sportsman's Empire, so pretty pumped about that. If you are new or checking us out, I would say we are some guys that get after it here in the Buckeye State, primarily on public land. A lot of the people we talk to, it's tactical talk, it's we do have some BS shed casts that are a little more lively and fun and, and lighthearted where we discuss anything from maybe a, a buck we just shot or a tactic to frozen pizza and what's the best frozen pizza to pick up. Uh, we did a light, you know, summer beer vote off. I, that, that's kind of who we are in a nutshell. I would say a majority of our content is centered on the YouTube and the podcast is an extension of the brand. But both are, are good to check out. Uh, I think both have a lot to offer, a little bit different um, takeaways from, from the podcast to the YouTube, but I, I would definitely direct you there. Appreciate you guys tuning in. If you're going to pick up any custom gear before season, Lone Wolf Custom Gear, enter code WEXP at checkout. Save yourself a little money. That is what, you know, it is that time of year to be buying gear, so... Check that bad boy out. Also, if you are into solo filming and are looking to take a web class to increase your production value, I have put together a course, and it's kind of a work-at-your-own-pace course, uh, several podcasts, several video clips where I'm showing examples or little quick hacks that I've learned from doing this at a, uh, oh, I've been a solo producer for Whitetail Addictions for going on three or four years now and then obviously I have my own stuff as well that I've done and shot some some commercials and YouTube stuff and and been in the game now for for a bit of time but guys enjoy this episode with Heath Cisco. it is stellar we talk a lot of fun things and some high level deer talk okay we are live folks and on the phone with me is a bow hunter from here in the Buckeye State a guy I actually one of the top bow hunters I pull for all season um I've I've got to get to know him on a personal level and dude does things at a high level in the hills, in the big woods, goes to farm country, travels. But uh Keith Cisco, aka the Iceman, is on the phone with me tonight. Heath, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bar. Now, Heath, uh I've prepped you with a few of these topics, but I also have some rapid fires I want to get to. Yep. But you literally just said you got off the tractor doing a food plot tonight. I mean, it is mid-August. Right there's a tractor. Oh man, what were uh, what were you putting in, or, or what is the plot of choice here tonight that you were working on? So uh, what I was doing is I was just chisel plowing it, uh, getting it ready to uh, disc up and uh, plant some uh, winter wheat and rye. Okay, nice. Yeah, that is a, uh, a a combo I have used actually from talking to you. That um, winter rye, man, if you spill it in the back of the truck, it'll grow. It, it just seems to <laughs> to do well. Yeah, you don't have to be much of a farmer to do it, and then uh, don't have to put a lot of fertilizer and stuff down in or so. Nice, nice. All right, Heath, so I have a question here. 
sure. your daughters are stupid athletic. I mean, they are cross country runners. One is going to a division one school. Did you play sports uh, growing up and, and you're a taller guy. I got you pegged as a basketball player. Well, so you got to think about when basketball season is. Okay. So I was a hunter. I've been a hunter since uh, I came my first year when I was 13 and got uh, tied up in that and couldn't get away for anything else. I did play basketball a little, but I played my freshman year and that was it. And cause it took up too much of my deer hunting time. And then uh, football, I played football. I didn't play my junior year of football. I started when I was a sophomore, didn't even play my junior year of football because uh, I wanted to deer hunt. And ah. Finally, they talked me into playing my senior year, but I didn't put a lot of effort into it because I was too wound up in the sport. I mean, I was wound up in it back in 86. I was, I was just crazy about it. So, oh uh, man. Okay. So I, I guess I'm a little bit athletic, I guess, but I dedicated all my time to, uh, to, uh, deer hunting and my daughters, uh, have dedicated theirs to sports luckily. So, yeah. Well, and you're taller than most people think, uh, people that meet you in person, uh, he's, you're probably taller than I am. Um, I don't know about that. So I'm, <laughs> I'm right around six foot, so I'm not too tall. All right. So, uh, it is midsummer and obviously you talked about just getting done with food plot work. What else do you have going on in your docket? Cause I do believe your season starts a little earlier this year and, um, yes. you're a guy who hunts a couple States. What do you got going on as far as prep? So right now I'm just, I have my food plot sprayed about two weeks ago. And with this rain we've had in August, which is great, but it's kept me out of the fields a little bit. I want to get my, uh, food plots in the ground probably the last week of august first week of september and i basically plant uh, winter wheat rye and uh, different types of brassicas uh, whether it's uh, just purple top turnips uh, radishes different things like that then on the other side um i'm uh, running out to uh illinois and at least we uh i hunt with several guys and uh i'll be going out there and putting out some cell cameras running them over mainly mock scrapes and travel corridors uh, that we make and it's it's kind of different scrapes that uh, other deer have uh, made over time and just great locations and we put cameras over them because you're not allowed to run any type of bait we try to get inventories and stuff so we'll be doing that at the end of august and then this year i'm trying to hunt in kentucky so i've got a you know pretty good sized block of land down there i can hunt so i've been running cameras down there for the last uh, month and a half Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's, we're having some good bucks show up. So, uh, like tomorrow I'm headed down there in the morning. It's not too far off from my house. So, uh, it's about 45 minutes. So I'm heading down there in the morning, pull some cars, check some cameras, uh, make sure the batteries are good. And then your season comes in down there September 3rd. So, um, I nice. got to miss the first evening cause I'm going to a uh, Buckeyes in Notre Dame. I can't miss that. Oh <laughs> so, man. So I'm going up to that. We had a tailgate party we're going to. So, uh, but I'll be in the tree uh, on the fourth. Oh, okay. Nice. Nice. Now, um, uh, what made you want to try to try the Kentucky thing, the out of state thing? I know you've hunted Illinois for a couple of years now. And yeah. And so a friend of mine, uh, has, uh, got permission down there on a, a pretty good size uh, piece of land. And, uh, he invited me to go down and hunt with him and uh, knowing that there's a potential of, uh, taking a velvet buck within 40 minutes of my house because the season comes in early, you know, that just intrigued me. And, uh, there's some giant deer in Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky, um, I mean, it's as good as Ohio finding big quality deer, really. Okay. Now, um, uh, I know they they're a one buck state. Um, they have an early gun season that kind of kicks in there in November. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think they got a lot of things going for them as far as, uh, 
there in the Midwest and with uh, not being too far from your house. Now, um, it, do you have a different standard if he's in velvet or not in velvet? Like, do you have that goal of, oh, I got to shoot a velvet buck, so like 120 is going to die? Or what, what do you have goal or, or thoughts around I velvet? Definitely, I definitely have different standards. Um, so that's a great question. I guess I'll know when it gets in front of me. Uh, we have uh, numerous bucks on camera that are from 130 range to 150 range. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's in velvet. We'll just have to see what, what trips my trigger and goes from there. So, um, yeah. in Ohio, I, I usually set my standards too high and, uh, it, they're the bucks that it's I try to target are hard to come by. And I usually, yeah. uh, I love hunting late season, so I don't mind uh, passing up some good bucks and, uh, waiting till late season to maybe get on a buck that's, uh, 20 inches, 25 inches smaller than what I were, I was targeting during, uh, the main part of the season so yeah well and and velvet bucks like i'm i'm terrible at judging uh velvet bucks i, I don't even like try that hard as far as if yep. i get pictures this time of year i'm like ah you know like how much do they shrink and and stuff like that um so i could see you know if something comes in and trips the trigger like uh, it'd be pretty cool to have one i think at some point in my life i'd like a velvet buck yeah i think so i'm just gonna try it uh like i said i'll probably only hunt down there uh until the Ohio opener uh, comes in, unless something uh, shows up down there. So we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens. I got several tags this year, so I'm going to be pretty busy hunting uh, when I, you know, can uh, get away. My girls are in cross country. My oldest will be running college this year. And then my youngest is still running locally. So then I have, I finally drew an Iowa tag this year. Uh, oh, so, man. So I have that as well. So i'll be pretty busy so oh my gosh um if you had to prioritize will you skip some of your ohio hunting to go chase that iowa tag oh absolutely yeah yep absolutely so my plan is uh this year i plan on spending two weeks in iowa so um during november um i'll hunt a a little bit in ohio because of my out-of-state stuffs are so good Mm -hmm. unless i'm on a really good one here in ohio so but i I enjoy hunting late season and ohio's uh, a great late season so if i still have a tag then i'll be tickled to death when we get six inches of snow yeah well the uh, the ice man is your your nickname and and that well, I... what'd you say okay i said the ice man is your nickname um, and that came from, oh, I think two two years ago or three years ago, I was editing one of your shows and and you had sent me a throwback hunt and it was another snow buck hitting the dirt. And since then, I think you've killed two or three snow bucks. It just seems that if snow is on the ground, it doesn't matter if it's late October or January 15th or like two days left of season in February, uh, the Iceman makes his mark. Well, that there's a, I guess, uh, you know, we don't get a lot of snow in Southern Ohio. Mm-hmm. So, but I enjoy hunting in snow. And when it hits, I make sure I get out there. And because uh, usually when you get a pretty good snow and you haven't, you've had kind of mild weather like we had this year, um, uh, it gets them deer moving. They got to get up and feed. And I'd love just being out in the woods uh, when it's snowing. So I'm going to take every chance I can get to get out in the woods when there's snow on the ground. Oh, yeah. And you can see them um, from a ways out and, and they stick out a little bit more. Yes. Um, do you ever, uh, as far as like timing the front, do you like 
do you like the day after the front's kind of blown out or if it would stop snowing at say mid afternoon, do you like that evening? Like, Hey, this is the first evening. Sure. Well, uh, both, both. Um, <laughs> catching it before the front or as a that after the front, if you have a front move through, like you said, and it, and the front goes out, let's say at the one or two o'clock in the afternoon, it gets dark at six. Um, and all of a sudden you start getting the fronts leaving and you start getting high pressure. Well, then that's when they're going to be moving. So if it's the day after that, the high pressure hits or the, uh, you know, the nicer weather, then that's mm -hmm. when they're going to move this year. I tried to go out before the front and, uh, they were off on the timing. The weatherman were, it mm -hmm. rained instead of snowed and the temperature didn't drop like they thought it would. So the snow didn't hit till like seven, eight o'clock at night when the nasty weather hit. And what I did is I went out there and got wet. Uh, oh. So it didn't happen that night. Didn't see much deer movement. Uh, but that night we got six inches of rain or I'm sorry, six inches of snow. And uh, it cleared up the next afternoon. And that's when I jumped in the tree and killed my buck. Nice. Now, have you ever had good hunts, uh, late season snow in a morning? In the morning? Well, mm -hmm. I can't say I have hunted in the morning a little bit, but ma mainly in late season, I focused on the uh, evenings. Yeah. Yeah. Evenings coming to food. Cause a lot of times what I found is, uh, in October and November, you can catch them coming back into their beds at times. It just depends, uh, on the weather and the moon phase. But then, uh, also in the, in late season, I found it tough to get in there. You know, it's so the ground's usually frozen. You make a lot of noise. Um, and they don't, it seems like they're back in their bedding areas. Uh, you know, before daylight, or at least some of them are, and you kind of blow them out of there trying to go in. So I just play it safe, uh, hunt the uh, the uh, weather uh, changes, and uh, hunt late season or mainly evenings. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for those listening, he's a uh, video that should come out here hopefully by the end of August for for Whitetail Addictions. He shoots an Ohio snow buck. And it, it comes, it's got some really cool footage of this deer dipping around some bushes and it's snow covered and he's got footage of him going in. It, it's a pretty cool hunt. Um, I, I, I can't wait for people to watch that thing unfold. Well, thanks, Byron. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, sharing it. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, Heath, I wanted to talk, speaking of uh, addictions and some of your hunts, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, you killed a buck called Lefty. Um, yep. And in the, the video, you talked about getting worked up and you had to calm your heart rate. You wanted to like lower your energy levels. Can yes. you, can you elaborate on, on some of your thoughts around, oh, getting too hyped up around deer and, and maybe that sixth sense that they seem to have if you do get too worked up? Cause I'm, I'm definitely a believer. So I'm definitely a believer as well. And I've talked to several people that I look up to or white tail hunters that are believers as well. Um, so it's kind of like, um, you know, uh, people have six cents and stuff too. Um, have you ever been sitting in a bar or sitting in a restaurant and feel like somebody's staring at you and look over and make eye contact with the person staring at you? Well, there you go. It's the same way with deer. I totally, uh, when you get excited, you get your pulse rate up, you get your heart pumping, you're putting off energy. And, uh, and, and animals can sense that. Now, some of them have fine-tuned it. Some of them are better at it. Uh, some of them have that have that a little uh, that sense a little honed, and other ones just ignore it. You know, it just depends. Deer are like people. Uh, some of them, uh, you know, they have different personalities. They have different 
some strong sense, some weak sense, you know, you just don't know. But I have been in situations to where there is no absolute, no reason these deer should pick me off. And usually it's the older, mature bucks that are four five, six year old. And they'll, uh, they'll light you up with it and get the heck out of there. And if you look at that video on Lefty, Lefty actually looked at me in the tree. He looked straight up at me in the tree. Now I was pretty much, uh, nestled in this fork of this tree and I already had my bow back and I was not moving, but I was excited and I was mm-hmm. trying to stay calm. Uh, and, and he was concentrating on that doe. And I think he was relaxed because he did everything that he had been doing over the last, you know, couple years in that area and thought it was completely safe. But, um, I come in the backside and made a big loop and he had, uh, he had no idea I was there. So two things why I'm a believer in like the deer pick up the energy uh, in the room or, you know, in the, in the woods is your dog, for example, uh, a lot of my dog can pick up what kind of mood I'm in or, or absolutely on little nuances, but I think he picks up on energy too. Um, But the other thing is uh, go for a doe hunt when you're out there to kill a doe, right? Because a lot yep. of hunts, I'm, I'm not like, when you when it's kill mode for does, it does seem like they, they pause more. They, yep. they know something's up if they get into what I'll call inside that 30-yard bubble. Um, yep, you're absolutely correct on the dogs. Dogs can sense when you're angry. They can sense when you're excited. They can sense when you're happy. They can sense when you're mad. I mean, they can sense all that the same way like you said. How many times have you went out and just had doe after doe after doe come walking by you? Then you say, well, I'm going to go shoot a doe tonight, and you hardly can have any of them come by you. Is exactly. it luck? Is it just how it worked out? I really think that uh, you put off negative energy, and some people can hone that and, uh, and uh, you know, not put off negative energy. Everybody's different. I, I read a, a book from uh, Gene Wenzel. He has some good stories in there about uh, Sixth Sense. I think it's Hunting, Rutting, Whitetails, and it's an older book. But he has in there different things that he talked about and thinking real hard and meditate, different things like that. It's, it's pretty interesting. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I hadn't heard of that. Now, um, if I see a buck come in, um, I try to go to focus mode and I don't look at his rack after I said yep. shooter or not. Um, yep. What do you do as far as like mentally like – like okay uh, established shooter is walking in do you not look at his rack do you go into anger mode like some some guys uh i think go into this angry mode to try and perform versus get excited uh what do you do when he's walking in well um so i've really uh over the years used to i was horrible with buck fever i've had some terrible um bouts with buck fever and, and made some horrible shots used to i would pull up when i draw back and put my uh put my pen on as soon as I seen Brown, I was, uh, yeah. letting go. we got a visitor right here. I don't know if you can see her. Oh, I, right do, I do see a speck, a speck of tan out there. <laughs> but anyways, uh, uh, so then I got to the point where I just started, I, I just started counting. I would count my head, you know, I would just get my mind off of, off of anything, but, but focusing on, or that rack or uh, focusing on shooting that deer. And I just went into uh, shooting mode. And now basically with, uh, um, with the filming, I can concentrate on the camera and making my shot and not worrying about the rack and the size of the deer and all that stuff. So, yeah, that is a, uh, oh, I see her now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. But that's, that's what I do. Um, you gotta, and you gotta go through steps. I, I set up when I shoot out in the yard, you know, I, I try to go through my, my kill shot, you know, each shot, I want it to be a kill shot. I only shoot one to two arrows at a time. 
and only shoot 15 errors a day or something like that. I don't shoot a lot. Um, but you go through that process of drawing back, picking that spot before you draw and draw back and putting your pin on that spot and letting go and just try not to, you know, I've killed a lot of, a lot of good deer. Um, so the more you kill, the better you are. But I, how I finally broke out of getting to draw back and put my pin on it and uh, releasing used to, I wasn't ever allowed to shoot those because my dad just when I was growing up, didn't want me to shoot those because he said, you're killing two deer and they, so uh, I didn't get to shoot very much because I would only get an opportunity at a buck, you know, every couple of years. So mm. every couple of years I would shoot one shot, let's say, and whether it was good or bad. And then I got to where I was making so many bad shots and missing and different things like that. I just started doe hunting when we started getting a larger population of deer or whatever. I started doe hunting and uh, used to, you could shoot like three does in Ohio or whatever. So I'd go out and fill all three of my doe tags and that helped me a lot. And in shooting at uh, targets, uh, deer targets, instead of just a spot on a, a bag target or something like that, that helped me a lot. And just yeah. getting your mind right and uh, not getting excited, concentrate, concentrate on the shot and not uh, don't get in your head and celebrate and thinking about how you're going to show all your buddies. Uh, make it happen. Uh, stay in the moment and get it done and then celebrate afterwards. Yeah. One of my things when I, when I see a deer walking in that I'm wanting to shoot buck or doe is I, I tell myself, remember to aim. And, uh, I'm trying to stay conscious through, through, through the last couple of kills. And the other thing you said, you messed up on not shooting does. I, when I was in college, uh, from age, let's call it 19 to 23, I would just wait till gun season and shoot a doe with my gun. Um, thinking, you know, very efficient way to do it. Um, but I'm, I, I should have been practicing that final 10 seconds. Cause I think I only killed one buck with a bow, um, in that, that three or four year period. And I should have been shooting, you know, two to three do deer with a, a bow and how much better that would make me at that final 10 seconds. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there's no better practice than shooting on live deer. Uh, but if you got extra doe tags, if you got farms, that has got too many on it. Um, you know, spend your doe tags with archery, uh, early season late season whenever you want to do it I, I i used to wait till late season to to shoot does but now i like shooting them kind of earlier when you get a um some decent weather to where you can get it to a butcher quick yeah because uh, in late season uh, you know highest season doesn't go out till like february 4th or 6th something like that and if you start shooting them there in mid-january late january they've already got the little ones developing inside of them so i don't like doing that i tried to shoot them earlier yeah, and plus, um, oh, even uh, gutting a deer in those colder temps, a uh, little bit more of a pain in the ass than, than doing it on October 15th when it's uh, oh, maybe 50, 60 degrees. Um, Absolutely. But, um, all right, I want to I wanna make a pivot here to – let's see here. You Okay, you have talked um, on several podcasts and um, in the sport of bow hunting – doing it when you did as far as jumping into it there was a lot of articles being uh, written and then there were some tv shows but like was not the best uh, information kind of like today today's learning curve is way better as far as the podcast the youtube you can find individual information on uh you know hunting farm country uh buck beds rut tactics back in the day you didn't have that and you you have said multiple times you feel like you either got tricked or maybe it was too product oriented back in the day to try and shoot big bucks can you speak to a little bit of, of some of that time period 
Sure. So back, I was, let's talk um, mid to late eighties. Um, Cause like I said, I started, I actually started trophy hunting. If you call, you know, Pope and young class, a trophy uh, back in the 89 is when I started. So back in 87, 88, um, there was a, there was a few articles. There wasn't a lot of information on deer hunting and stuff, but the bad thing about it was I got hanging out with a guy that had killed like three or four bucks, five bucks, six bucks, something like that. And I looked up to, and, you know, took everything he told me, uh, for the gospel. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he kind of led me down the wrong, the wrong road. He helped me out with a wind a little bit, but, um, he, he only hunted, uh, you know, the second week in November for like three or four days. And if you didn't kill your buck, then you couldn't kill one. So mm. that was some bad information, um, that I got from him and I kind of stuck with that. And then there was a few articles and stuff. I mean, back then when you read stuff, nobody hunted October, you all, they really? only hunted in the rut. And then they, that's when rattling become all of a sudden blew onto the scene and you had to rattle, you had to do this. And then it got into, um, you got to use all this scent products and all this kinds of stuff. And now what I found out looking back on it, that was all baloney. I mean, you know, you can kill great deer in October. You can probably kill your bigger deer in October if you're targeting one specific deer. Sure. The scent control stuff, I, I'm, you know, I kind of did it. I went through all of it. I, I went to where I washed my clothes with baking soda. I went to where they had the uh, scent products that come out from Hunter Specialties. Uh, yeah. I went through all that, had a ritual where I spent 45 minutes washing my clothes. And did you ever do the bee smoking? Uh, absolutely. I had the best luck with that of any of them. Yeah, so, I had so, the best luck with that as any of them. Hold on. There, there's, there's, there's a lot of people listening right now that have no idea what we're talking about. And yep. the only reason I knew about it was from the uh, the Ohio Sportsman Forum back in the day. Uh, this is sure. pre, uh, pre-Facebook forums. These yep. were legit forums. Um, the bee Good smoke- information on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, uh, Heath, correct me if I'm wrong. You would buy a bee smoker, mm-hmm. and you would put wood chips in it, and, and then you would literally puff smoke over your hunting clothes. And I think there was two, two thoughts around this. One, the Native Americans might have done it. Absolutely. Um, there's a little bit of, um, is, is there something that in the smoke like kills like other human odor or, or was the thought that there's campfires and wood stoves scattered across the, the, the hillsides of Ohio that deer have smelled that before? What, what was some of the thoughts around the bee smoking thing? So, so and I'm no expert on this, but in, from what I gather from it, it was not only, you know, there's other there's smoke all around, you know, they're always smelling smoke. And also that it kind of like charcoal when it's not to use it to filter water and different things like that. Mm-hmm. It would filter and, and cover your, uh, it would kind of mask your scent and kind of cover it. Um, so I seen this at uh, the Ohio Deer and Turkey Expo one year and I thought this is the biggest joke. I said, they'll do anything to sell these products and stuff like that. Then I talked to some guys from uh, John Bleasdale from Slunger Hollow. He told me how he was using it and a couple of his team members were using it and they were having good luck with it. And I thought, you know what, I'll try that because my scent ritual is just not working mm-hmm. because I, no matter what I do, I can't get away with stuff. Certain days I would, certain days I wouldn't. And I've learned later that it was all because of, uh, you know, thermals and stuff was the only reason I was getting away with stuff. I wasn't really getting away with anything. My scent just wasn't getting to them. So mm-hmm. I started reading into it and you, you read about the, the Native Americans having uh, basically sweat tents where they go in there and they would sweat out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all their... Uh, uh, they would go to the sweat tents and they would sweat out and cleanse their body. And then they would come out and, uh, and they would make a fire or whatever. And they would uh, cover their stuff in smoke before they go on these big hunts. 
Okay. And, and I thought, well, you know, that makes sense. So I started trying it and I had pretty good luck with it, to be honest with you. But, um, and I did that for probably, I probably used it for four to five years and everything I had smelled like smoke. Yeah. And, you know, and what was bad is when you get home from hunting, you couldn't even go to bed. You had to go in there and take a shower because you had to get the smoke smell off of you. Sure. It was horrible. And uh, so then one time I was out hunting and I was hunting this really good buck. And he was about, he was a five-year-old buck because I had sheds from him and I had history with him. That thing come in downwind of me across this brush field and was 200 yards away. And the wind was probably blowing 15 to 20 mile an hour. He comes slipping across that brush field. 200 yards away from me and hit my scent stream and it was like running into a brick wall he jerked his head up took a couple sniffs tucked his tail and darted back through the brush and uh, i thought that stuff didn't work at all i mean he nailed me like you know i mean it was just like he was within 10 feet of me and i mm -hmm. that was when i quit i quit using it that day okay. so i went back to where i was like you know what i'm i'm fooling myself uh thinking that i can mask my scent i gotta stop hunting uh like i can get away with certain things in certain situations and start hunting as they're going to nail me if any bit of my scent particles get to them and when i changed that that's when i started knocking down some stuff more consistent i was killing decent deer back then yeah. but a lot of that was uh just being in the right situations and the wind working for me okay. and now i'm killing them because i'm putting myself in situations where they're not getting me i'm using thermals uh i'm using uh you know overcast day compared to a high pressure day you know and just playing the wind using terrain features uh doing all that stuff and just uh, getting getting better at the, let's say mastering the wind i'm not a master of the wind i'm getting better at it and yeah. i'm a student of it and uh, i talk to people who uh, do the same and i learn a lot of things from it. andre has been uh, such a good teacher on showing me different things uh when i go out and hang out with him shed hunt every year and we have conversations just uh him and cody both they they uh they've got the win mastered and i'm trying to learn from them and learn from uh, uh my experiences and uh, just playing with uh sitting there on the stand and playing with my milkweed yeah it's funny uh one of the biggest lessons i've, I've kind of adapted or or sticking points in the last two to three years was a conversation you and I had about wind mapping mm -hmm. and uh, every off season, the last three years, I have been more conscious to be on a hillside, throw my milkweed and leave a note in my mapping system of yep. what I'm observing. Um, I've been more conscious of it as I'm hunting. And uh, it, you know, it's, it's because, because we're talking hill country, big woods and, and some days it swirls every two minutes, but um, yeah. Sometimes I pick up little nuances that super help me. And, and I can think of a, a scenario uh, last season where I noticed, I think I was into this system once to check a trail camera and then two hunts. And I noticed no matter what the weather app said on those three occurrences on, on this, let's call it a bull system, it was blowing to the south. And one of those days, it was a northwest wind at 12 miles an hour, which is pretty yep. stout. Like, that's not yep. a that's not a fluffy wind. Um, and so I just started accessing this bull system from a, a, a direction that was much more favorable. And it wasn't perfect. I think I hunted that thing another two to three times. But I think I had like an 80% accuracy on that whole bull system just because I took a couple notes. Sure. It just seemed to blow south 80% of the time on that yep. one hillside. Um, yeah, but that's where, uh, like me, used to, I would get up, I would look at my app the night before, 
well, or listen to the news, depends on when it was. So I look and see what the weather was for the following day, following morning. And uh, then I'd say, okay, it's going to be a southwest wind. Well, here's where I got to hunt. Or that evening, it's going to be a northwest wind. Here's where I got to hunt. And then I would even look and say, okay, well, the, the wind's going to change at 8 o'clock in the morning to from a southwest to, let's say, more of a south. Then it's going more towards the southeast, something like that. Then I would plan my hunt around that. Now when I get up and look at it, um, I, I look at the wind, but I'm mainly looking at, okay, is there a temperature change mm. in the morning? Is there is it going to be overcast? Is there going to be a heavy fog? Is it going to be a bright, sunny day? And that helps me choose my spots. I mean, that's what I use now because some of these places, um, it sets up for a southwest wind, but you get a you get a high-pressure day. I don't care what way the wind's blowing. I'm good. <laughs> you know, in the same way, if it's overcast, well, I know if it's overcast, you know, um, the, the, the scent's going to be dropping. It's going to be dropping down this valley here or whatever. You know, you just got to look at that. I, I got one spot. If there's a little bit of sun out, it doesn't matter what the wind's doing. You're going to have an updraft updraft mm -hmm. in that area and it doesn't matter if you got a, a west wind a south wind a north wind it's going to the uh it's going to the north it's going to the northwest no matter what it's just okay. how the land lays and it draw it sucks it up that hill okay very cool now i want to back you up you had said rattling became a big thing there in the 80s mm -hmm. you said uh the scent stuff really took over was there it's, it seems like it was a very gadgety um product focused was there anything that came out in that time period that actually worked or was a lot of it smoke and mirrors i'd say a lot of it smoke and mirrors um me specifically i mean i would buy certain things but I wouldn't, what what did I you spend trying, money but... on and and go golly i got duped what, what well, was a purchase that you can remember that really got you I, I can tell you the exact one that really got me scent lock okay that got me I was, uh, I bought Scentlock with the very first year it came out. It was a green suit. It wasn't a uh, camouflage suit. It was green. It was an undergarment that you wear and had a hood and stuff. And I bought that stuff and thought I was invincible. And exactly, I just, I was an idiot. Um, I would, you know, not play the wind. I would just wear that suit and think that I was invincible. And it was expensive too. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. I bet. I, um, I'm trying to think if, if I have a bad purchase, I, I bought a hundred dollar climber, uh, from field and stream and it weighed 32 pounds, terrible straps. And, uh, I left it in the woods twice. Uh, cause I thought I was done with it. Um, yeah. that was some bad money spent. Um, Oh, back in the day I bought some, uh, Oh, I bought a, a, a trail cam it was remington ghost it took the, uh, the big d batteries and looking back it was only it only had power for like two weeks and so like a lot of my ground scent was burnt you know was still probably in that area for five days so what it was yeah. working for like seven um, sure i never so I got started, a picture never got a picture of a big buck on that thing really i started out i started out with this thing called the trail timer this is before trail cameras and this thing you actually strapped on a tree and it had a, I can't remember what size battery you put in it, but it had a little, it looked like a, a zip tie that made a loop and you tied a piece of thread to it. And then you stretched your thread across the trails and tied it to a tree. So when the deer came through, it actually pulled the thread and it would pull that little zip tie thing out and it would stop the clock. 
Yeah. So you knew what time they were coming through. I mean, that's how, that's how I first started. And it was kind of a joke, but I bought a couple of them and I used them and thought that they helped me a little bit. I didn't know. And then I bought a, uh, what they called a cam tractor. And okay. that was the first, uh, that was the first trail camera I ever bought. And it basically had a 35 millimeter camera inside of it. And it had this, these wires going into it to set them off or whatever. And it ran off the film. And uh, I think I was looking through my trail camera pictures the other day, and I think I had that thing in 1997. Wow. Okay. I, I was the only one I knew of that had them, and I was going out dumping apples along the edge of bean fields and getting all kinds of good bucks. Really? You were yeah, so, that, so it, it was executing at a good level. And, and yes. Um, and what's funny is I, I actually called the company at one point in time because I watched several bucks come into the edge of the bean field and we eat the apples. And I, I couldn't wait to get up there because I had this one I was trying to get. And I went up there and checked the film and you had to run into the local uh, uh, CVS or whatever yeah. Yeah, to get the uh, film developed. Or whatever. And I didn't have him on it. And I was like, what the heck? So I called the company because at times it wasn't working. Well, I found out that it was not only uh, it was not only sense in motion, but it sensed heat. And at a certain temperature, like at 97, 98 degrees or whatever, it couldn't detect the deer um, because the temperature was the same. Everything so was all the real, same. And yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting. But but I started running them a long a long time ago. Uh, I enjoyed running the cameras. I enjoyed getting the pictures. Um, did did they help me kill any deer? I can't really say that because usually uh, if you put these things on a trail. Uh, they were usually too slow to get the picture, or they made a click when they did take a picture. So. Uh, Usually, if you got a good buck that uh, was out of velvet on a trail, that's the only time you ever got him on that trail. Yeah. So. Yeah, I believe that. That is cool. Um, okay. Uh, when did you uh, you break out the um, mobile tree stand game? Because, obviously, you've been with Whitetail Diction since the beginning. Sure. When did, when did you buy a, a, a stand and stick, or were you a climber guy ever? So, I, I had a climber. My back when the Baker climber uh, was out, um, a buddy, my neighbor actually bought one. And when he bought one, my dad, he's pretty, he's really crafty. So dad built two of them, okay. but he built them out of steel instead of like aluminum. So they weighed a ton. Um, so I tried that a couple of times. Dad hunted out of it a bunch, but I tried it a couple of times. It's just way too noisy and heavy for me. And then we made a, uh, a he built me a portable stand. So I started using that, and then he actually would build my tree steps. I used tree steps. Didn't use tree sticks back in the day. I had steps. Now the, back like a screw in or yeah, a strap? Was okay. The, it, was, it was a screw, and that was probably 400. I even invented the tree stick. But um, So I had tree steps, and I had them things. I mean, it was horrible. I had them everywhere. Um, so I can't <laughs> say I would, I would go – I would pre-hang stands, basically. And, mm -hmm. and then hunt out of them, but I would still be mobile. I would pre-hang a stand and hunt it a couple of times, then move it. And then I got into, uh, uh, back in the day, there was this uh, stand that come out. It was called a buck finder tree stand. And they later, uh, I don't know what they changed into something else, but it's, you put a hook in the tree, you hang a hook and then you hang the stand on it. Yeah. And then you got a ratchet strap that goes around the bottom. That's what I used in the beginning before I got me a, a small lone wolf stand. And okay. uh, that worked really well because what I would do is I would have, uh, let's say one, I'd have numerous trees with tree steps in them and then mm -hmm. tree hooks. And I would just carry my stand in each time because uh, most places I hunted, you know, every, the big craze now is public hunting. Well, heck, back when I grew up, uh, you know, first started hunting, every place was public. 
because yeah. everybody would give you permission. And there was a lot of deer hunters back then, but it, they were mainly gun hunters. There was a few bow hunters, but that, you know, I killed a few deer, wasn't nothing special, but they all, everybody was wanting to know where you were hunting and all this stuff. So I didn't want to hang stands. I would carry the stand in and out with me. Then end up getting a lone wolf and sticks and that completely changed the game. I didn't want the sticks in the beginning because they weighed too much. And I thought, why would I get sticks when I got these steps? But yeah. once you get a, a set of sticks and you see how quick you can get them up and take them down and move on to the next, that's just, that was a, that really uh, made the job easier. Yeah. On my, um, on my, my, my family piece, I have a few like, like metal 20 foot sections or whatever. And uh -huh. if I go hunt it for the year, a lot of times I will bring in, uh, a, an aluminum stand hanging at the top the first hunt of the year or whatever yeah. um and that yeah it, it essentially like i don't have to i don't leave a tree stand there uh hardly ever or at least after season i take them all down and the first hunt of the year is is a half run and gun attempt sure. um but yeah i i've I done that before for sure um let's see here heath i want to ask you about your uh your your diy trailer uh your home away from home uh that sure. you built uh i believe a couple of years ago i've seen it and you you posted about it well what made you decide hey i want to instead of buying a a camper a pop out i want to have me a converted hard shell trailer got me interested in it is uh um, I, hunt, I would hunt out in illinois on this mm -hmm. uh lease that we have and you had to book the hotel because there was only like one hotel in the area. The other ones were a good ways off. You had to book the hotel a year in advance. And, oh, you know, with wow. work schedule and different things like that, it was hard to uh, to figure out when you're going to be able to go. So I would book the hotel and then it'd go out. And it just it was, you know, hot this week, but it had been a lot better the following week or you should have been out here the week before all that stuff. And then you know, the, hot the hotel was like one hundred and ten bucks a night. And mm -hmm. all I was doing is sleeping and taking a shower at it because I was going all day long. And I thought, this is just crazy. And, and then I would, I went out and hunted a week and then I went home and I wanted to go back out and hunt uh, another weekend and I couldn't get the hotel because it was booked up. So I thought this is crazy. So I looked at, uh, I maybe put a camper shell on the back of my truck and I started researching stuff on YouTube and got really interested in taking a cargo trailer and turning it into a camper. And then, uh, when COVID hit there a couple of years ago, uh, my work actually shut down for two and a half months. And I thought, you know what? I talked to my wife and uh, I thought that would be a great project for right now. So uh, we, I found a trailer and went and bought one and started working on it. And it was a lot bigger uh, job than what I thought. I, I made it a lot nicer than what it needed to be for my hunting. But I thought, <laughs> you know, we can use it, uh, take the kids camping. We can go camping. We can travel with it or whatever. And it's just uh, uh, morphed into this, you know, kind of a luxury camper i guess you could say it, it, you know? it is nice do you, did you feel you saved a little cash as far as buying um, um what was the debate like for that because i i look at it um potentially you know could could buy a pop out or mm -hmm. um my dad so, has a small a-frame sure so what i was looking at i can't say i saved uh oh campers right now are outrageous but i can't say oh, yeah. i saved that much money but my main purpose on this thing is I need to be able to be out there when it's very, very cold. And a lot of campers aren't really insulated uh, mm -hmm. for their water system and stuff like that. And uh, then uh, their heating system, some of them are poor or uh, they're not very efficient. 
and the cambers are hard to heat and cool and all that stuff. So, so I really, uh, I insulated my floor walls and ceiling and I insulated it, uh, how I wanted to insulate it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I put a, a, a water system in there that can handle, uh, the coldest temperatures outside and I don't have no uh, storage tanks and stuff like that. Uh, except uh, I got a water tank and in my shower has its own uh, heater in there and stuff like that. So, and I can change things out very easy instead of, uh, having a camper, uh, to where they're hard to work on different things like that. So that, yeah. that's where I, I wanted, I like uh, building stuff you know, I built my house, built my barn and all that kinds of stuff. So, um, it was a project and I wanted to see if I could do it. Nice. Nice. It, yeah. It sounds like you had some skills, um, and abilities, um, and, and I've also heard that, that campers are not made the best. Um, sure. Well, they're, I mean, they're kind of know, meant to be towed. So the, the yes. quality on the build isn't necessarily the best. Yeah, they're not. Uh, but you know, they're very nice these days. Uh, it mm -hmm. just depends on what you want. So I wanted something smaller. Um, and I built this in the way, you know, and initially I was just going to make it for hunting. And then me and my wife got to talking and then that's when I started making it nicer and nicer. I wanted to be able to pull my four-wheeler in the back. I want okay. to be able to pull my electric bike in the back, uh, do things like that. And, uh, and that's what I got now. It works out very well. I mean, I've, I spend probably at least two to three weeks in it every year in the fall. Oh, there and, you go. Uh, and it's, it's just great. It works out great. Nice. Nice. That is cool. That is something I, uh, I don't know if I'm going to do the buy a pop out or, or my dad has an A-frame. So, so that's a pretty good rental fee of three ninety nine. but, um, sure. And then I've got the I've got the pretty good tent too as well for for yeah you somebody. do have a, a giant tent yeah um, and they got so, these nice heaters and stuff now to where you can heat a tent and all this kind of stuff or wood burning stoves and little twelve volt diesel heaters all kinds of stuff there's a lot of options out there I had to have something to where I could take a stand up shower because one of the most important things to me when you get out in the woods and you know you hunt in the morning you move your stand uh, you scout you may sweat a little bit. I need a clean shower. I play the wind and stuff. Uh, you know, that's what I mainly do, but I want to be as clean as I can be. Uh, meaning, I mean, I don't use, I don't use, uh, the hunting product soaps anymore. I turned over to where I just use like a, a dove non-scented soap mm -hmm. and a uh, non-scented shampoo. And basically that's what I do. And I'm non-scented deodorant. I just buy speed stick non-scented deodorant. I don't buy any of that other fancy stuff, um, that they put, double or triple the price on because it's for hunting sure. uh, but that's what i do I, I like staying clean i feel better i have more confidence when i'm clean and, and uh, i get out there and uh, hunt and then i want to be able to come home you know i usually come in at, uh, i take a shower before i go in the morning i take a shower before i go in the evening and uh you know i want to be able to at least take two showers a day so yeah th there's a morale boost too uh if you got hot water and, and can take a mm -hmm. shower the morale boost and then um you sleep better when you you're yes, cleaner. Absolutely. So, so absolutely. is if you're, you're on day five of a seven, 10 day hunt, um, that I, I have learned that some of those little amenities and the hot meal and some of that stuff really helps you grind out a, a trip. If you will, when you, especially when you're away from home. Yes. If you're, if you go out, uh, uh, let's say you hunt a evening or a morning and it's 15 degrees a high, that hot shower feels great <laughs> and it'll motivate you to get back out there the next day so yeah all right heath i got i got one other quick topic and then a, a rapid fire segment um okay. you are a podcast consumer you yes. listen to things you're always learning you're always taking little things uh can you think of one or, or two things that maybe have stuck out that you have heard over let's call it these summer months 
that you're like, you know what? I think I could apply that or I, I really like that thought. Um, could be a story, uh, could be a cool buck encounter, something that, that has stuck out to you in the last couple months of listening to some podcasts. That's a great question. And um, you kind of stumped me on that. I, I listen to most pod, a lot of the podcasts that come out. I mean, some of them I like listen more than others, but um, there's some great information out there uh, and people just got to apply it. I can't really say. And maybe it's just a cool story or, or do any of them stick out as far as a good guest that you liked listening to? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Of course, my friend, uh, Justin Hollinsworth, I like listening to him and then uh, uh, seeing if he's lying to me and telling me yeah. stories about different dairy scene and then gets on a podcast and <laughs> says something that I really didn't know about on the piece of property we were hunting out in Illinois. So I'm oh, just can kidding. you can you elaborate <laughs> on this story? Uh, I, I, I feel like we should bust him on this one. <laughs> I got to keep track of him to keep him straight. So, uh, you know, we're, he's, he's had a, a bad run in Illinois and I have a great, and I've had a great run. So, uh, <laughs> I don't let up, I don't tell him all my secrets out there. Uh, but, uh, I got to make sure that if he's speaking, he's telling the truth. So, okay. Okay. But we'll have to, there's several people I like listening to. Well, for one, your podcast for one, cause all the information, your little YouTube videos, there's honestly, I mean, I'm no, I love equipment and stuff like that, but, uh, but there's a lot of the things that, you know, I'm pretty crafty with stuff, but then I see how people tie on their straps, tie their uh, sticks to their stand, different things like that. Um, then uh, listening to people, you know, I, I like the fall podcast. I think mm -hmm. Aaron does a great job over there. Uh, the guys at the Whitetail Legacy. And I'll tell you, a great group of guys that's putting out a hell of a lot of information is the Exodus team. Mm, yeah. I mean, they have some great videos and some great information. Uh, I enjoy listening to them. Um, I don't know. I wish Cody would keep uh, more on track and uh, be more consistent with uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear uh, podcast, the Quisto series. But um, I got probably 15 podcasts that uh, I follow and, uh, and really like listening to. I don't know off the top of my head. That's I mean, cool. I, I absorb it all. I, yeah. I think about certain things. Jake Bush, I like listening to him uh, for a guy who's only been in Ohio a few years. Um, he's figuring things out, uh, but he's putting a lot of time and effort into it and uh, doing it. And then you got, I mean, you got some people that really grind it out. I mean, you got Josh Prophet and then Ryan Getsky. I mean, these guys are just workers. Yeah. And, and I enjoy it. It motivates me. It makes me think, you know, you need to step up your game. So, and that that helps a lot. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I like I like a, a lot of those mentions and and stuff. Well, Heath, let me put you through some rapid fire. These are uh, a handful of questions that are uh, quick hitters, if you will. Sure. All right. How do you like your coffee? Um, I do not drink coffee. What is your morning drink of choice? Uh, orange juice. All right. A after you shoot a buck, what is the the meal and beverage consumed? Meal and beverage consumed. Um, I like Bud Light and I like a steak. Oh, that's a solid pick right there. All right, summer beer of choice. You just got done doing your food plot. What are you going to uh, have a beverage on? Uh, it's either Bud Light or a Jack and Coke. Okay. Uh, wide buck or big brows? Ooh, that one's tough. Um, probably wide. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Um, favorite sports teams, and, and do you have multiple? You had mentioned the Buckeyes. Uh, yep. Do you do you have any pro pro sports that you watch a decent amount? Um, I do not watch pro sports hardly at all, and just I just don't. Um, I, basketball I, doesn't interest me in the pros or college, uh, but if I do watch pros, it's uh, it's teams that have ex Buckeyes on them. Okay, nice, nice. Are you uh, and and what about college hoops? Do you watch any college hoops uh, even during I, March? I don't. I watch a little bit of the end of March Madness, but I just mm. don't watch uh, a lot of basketball. I mean, okay, I just don't. I mean. Okay. Uh, bold prediction. Do the Buckeyes make the uh, playoffs this year in football? Um, I think so. Um, if if the defense turns out how uh, they're talking, it's going to turn out, uh, yes. I think we got to keep the quarterback healthy. Just my two cents. Uh, yeah, you better <laughs> – that's the main one. Yeah, the defense uh, may do well. If, if, uh, if uh, CJ gets hurt, then that would be bad. Yeah, all right. What is uh, – this is a specialty. What is your frozen pizza choice? Um, oh my gosh, I've heard this before on your guys' <laughs> podcast before, you know, I don't eat much frozen pizza, so, uh, it's usually, I don't even know what the wife buys. Okay. But, okay. That's, that, that is fair. Eat much, oh. we, eat, we eat pizza a lot, but it's usually not frozen. Okay. What is your uh, pizza topping of choice then? Uh, I like pepperoni and mushroom. Okay. Solid, solid there. All right. You are traveling to Illinois to hunt. What are you stopping to get as far as road food is concerned? Do you, do you have a road spot that you like? Do you have a certain chain you, you prefer? Um, you breakfast is just McDonald's. Uh, and for just a snack, I like getting a, a Gatorade and either uh, peanut M&Ms or uh, some kind of trail mix. Okay. This one is non-hunting related or hunting related? Actually, no, non-hunting related. What is the best purchase you have made in the last six months? It could be something for the, the house, the truck, uh, the shed. Do you have any killer purchases in the last six months that we should we should know about as, as a man listening podcast? Oh, well, I don't know. I guess if I'm hunting wise, it would be a 0.75. Okay, yeah, I would agree. Um, so, and non-hunting wise... Um, I don't know. I just bought a Blackstone grill, but I haven't even used it yet. And I think that's going to work out to be really good. What What is a Blackstone grill? Is it just a, a propane or a smoker or what are we it's, talking about? It's here? a propane. It's just, it's just a Blackstone. It's got mm -hmm. the, uh, it's just got the sheet of steel across the top of it. It's like a, uh, it's not a regular grill. It's a, hell, I don't even know what to say about it. It's a, what do they call it? Um, shoot. I don't even know. All right, all right. Well, I, I'm, I'm gonna have to punch that into Google here after. Yeah, after it's just this a blackstone. I got the small one for camping or whatever. Um, but you can like, it's like when you go, go to Japanese steakhouse and they fry all that stuff on the big yeah, pan. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. That's what it is. I'm okay. Ignorant for not knowing what it is, but little little like griddle top. It's a. That's exactly what it is. It's a griddle. See, I you Boom. said it. And I couldn't find the word. All right. Well, very good, Heath. I appreciate you jumping on. Um, like I said, guys, if you want to check out some of Heath's hunts in the past, uh, Whitetail Addictions has, oh, several years. Uh, Heath's one of the, the originals there. And then he spoke on a, uh, on quite a few podcasts. So if you punch his name into the search engine, you can find more there. Heath, anything else you want to mention? Uh, no, other than I uh, hope everybody has a great season and be safe. Wear your safety belt. Oh, there it is, folks. All right, Heath, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this puppy up. <laughs>